another episode of the Main Quest Podcast. This is, of course, the number one retro gaming podcast with enough rumble for your pack. As always, I am your host, Keith. Follow along on social media. You can keep up on Instagram and Twitter. I am the main quest on Instagram and underscore main quest on Twitter. I post the schedule ahead of time, so you kind of always know what's going to be coming up on the show each month. And you know what? Hey, I, I guess I'm going to start putting this out here in, into the ether. And, uh, you know, I urge you guys, I urge you to play along with the show. I know this isn't, you know, a play along podcast, but it could very well be just because it's not the name of the show, right? Uh, you know, I know some of these games are also like a little bit difficult to get a hold of, but also like they're not. Listen, I, I don't care how you end up playing these games. I'm not telling anybody, you know, so, you know, hey, play along. But what you should really honestly do is tell your friends about the show. Just take a few seconds to rate and review if you like what you hear today. Let's continue to climb these charts and, uh, you know, hold that title of that number one retro gaming podcast. Now, with all that shilling out of the way, don't have much of a, a intro at all. I, I, I don't know, I'm just having one of those days where I'm just not feeling very uh, strongly about anything in either case. I, you know, which, I don't know, might be very indicative of what this episode might end up being. Who knows? Maybe I'll get a little more uh, emotional. Maybe I'll get a little more, or maybe a little more uh, opinionated as I start talking about what we're um, going to get into today. And so let's, you know, let's not beat around the bush, right? So let's just get into the game today. I played Primal Rage. So if you've been listening to the show for quite a while, or you have just listened to the uh, arcade games that I have covered up to this point, it's actually going to surprise you that my personal history with Primal Rage was actually with the arcade cabinet. And it was actually, unfortunately, pretty rare that I ever actually saw anybody playing this game when I was at the arcades. And the fighting game to play at the time was still Street Fighter II and Mortal Kombat. Mortal, it would have been Mortal Kombat 2. Um, I think that had just come out. So there was a lot of people still, you know, playing that game. But I didn't, um, really like Street Fighter. I didn't want to play it because I was just really bad at it. Mortal Kombat 2 was always crowded. There is always a line to play that game and tons of people around it and being a kind of a latchkey kid and, uh, Really kind of, um, not antisocial. What's the word I'm looking for? Introverted. Uh, I didn't want to have any part of that crowd at all. So also I didn't want to lose. <laughs> I hated losing. What kid likes to lose at a video game? I very much know now that children hate losing at video games. <laughs> but also it's like, on the other hand, I also don't have that much cash to endlessly be tossing into a machine to keep playing over and over again. 
But you know what? You know, you know what those games didn't have? Fucking dinosaurs. Well, I guess Mortal Kombat would eventually have dinosaurs. It wasn't Mortal Kombat 2, though. And Jurassic Park had just come out around the same time. Dinosaurs were in. They were in the zeitgeist somehow. <laughs> After a hundred billion years, they're in. <laughs> and then getting to see them beat the shit out of each other and piss on one another uh, in a video game is pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Doesn't get any more 90s than that. It, it took the edginess of Mortal Kombat, dialed it up a bit, and the graphics for the time, I just remember being absolutely incredible. But that's not to say that I enjoyed the game back then. It, it just, uh, it was what was available. The moves were somewhat easier for me to perform than uh, the ones in Street Fighter. Which sounds crazy. That sounds insane. But as a kid, I could not grasp how to pull off any type of moves in Street Fighter. Which will make for an interesting playthrough when I finally get around to that game for the show. But also, the moves in Primal Rage were more difficult to pull off than Mortal Kombat for me. And as we find, as, as we talk about the game, that was kind of an intentional design decision from Atari, which may have kind of been the nail in the coffin for the series there, but there are a lot of things kind of going against this game. You know, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, its controls, we'll talk about it. But that's pretty much it for my personal history. There, there were several ports of this game, and I'm covering the Sega Genesis version because my friend and I did rent it from time to time and played it at his house because my parents, they were not going to let me have this in the house back then. So a lot of the stuff that I wasn't supposed to see or let my parents know that I was watching or, or playing, it all happened at his house. So and th this was one of them. So yeah, outside of those few rentals and stuff, uh, I was also playing this in the arcade. You know, that's that's my history with it. Now, for the development history... Primal Rage is a fighting game developed by Atari and published by Atari or Time Warner Interactive in the case of these home console ports. Now, no matter what I'm about to say about Atari, uh, which was actually the, the developer was actually a different part of the wider company of the same name that would eventually be bought and eaten by Midway. Primal Rage was actually a huge success. It just happens to be one of those projects that was mismanaged by Atari, kind of like their entire existence. <laughs> and so we're in the mid-90s now at this point. Lion King was doing gangbusters. Jim Carrey was becoming a prominent comedy star. Netscape launched around this time. And, you know, to bring this back around to the console wars... Nintendo and Sega were being fought on the playgrounds around the globe as if we fucking knew anything what we were talking about back then. Except Atari was not involved in any of that. They couldn't have been more irrelevant to the mainstream, and they were just grasping at anything at this point to maintain relevancy after the failure of the Lynx and the Jaguar. And so from my point of view... And to kind of bring this up to like more of like a modern analogy here, it's like when a viral meme takes off, right? 
but old people like me find it way too late. And once you're watching it, you don't realize you're actually watching a copy of a copy of a copy of the original, because that's just how quickly things move today. And that was basically kind of like Atari in the early 90s. Nintendo and Sega had been planning their consoles and the lineups for those, getting third parties signed up for years. And by the time the Super NES and the Genesis and all the peripherals uh, with those consoles hit, and the games, Atari was like, oh yeah, we should get on that. But by that time, it's like a little too late. And they start just dumping a, a ton of resources and money into a project and push it out the door way too fast that it just never gains any type of traction. The Primal Rage, right? <laughs> Primal Rage was actually like the development actually aligns a lot with what I kind of said in my personal history. They were chasing the success of Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat along with the recent trend of the, you know, dinosaur focused uh, media explosion that was happening. And I believe it was Jason Leong who thought of the idea for the game in the first place and has said as much as that, you know, he wanted to create a fighting game with dinosaurs, which was kind of already an idea that was getting tossed around the uh, Atari offices. But it was Leong who took the idea further and added the other monsters in the game alongside the T-Rexes the and the clever girls. And Atari being, you know, the mad boys that they were, had the most idiotic, brilliant idea of making the entire game from stop motion using handmade models. Why was this idiotic? Well, think about how much work that is. You have to create handmade models for seven different characters and painstakingly move each of them for 400 to 500 different frames a piece. Then you add in the fact that they were digitized sprites as well, which means the stop motion video that they captured had to be rendered and turned into sprite work, which at this point was still a relatively new concept. Like there was a couple games that was that were doing that, including Mortal Kombat, obviously. Uh, and I'll probably actually talk about that more uh, when I get to that game. With the exception of Goro, right? Goro, of course, was also a uh, handmade model and, and digitized kind of in the same way the sprites were here. So there's a little bit of uh, primal rage in Mortal Kombat or vice versa, however you see that. Mortal Kombat came first. So we'll say primal rage was actually taken a lot from Mortal Kombat. Uh, that was one character, though, to be fair, not seven. The whole thing is just it's it. I just want to get it across that it is a painstaking process and it costs a lot of money on top of that. On the other hand, this idea was brilliant because it looked really fucking good on arcade machines. They pulled it off. And even though I think Clay Fighter had done this style a year prior to this, it was still a pretty inventive use of both medias uh, if you could use it correctly. And it worked. Again, Primal Rage did really, really good in the arcades, which came as a surprise to me since whenever I, I went to the arcade, nobody was playing it, really. Even the console ports sold incredibly well 
even though the, the visual fidelity as we're going to get into it is absolutely garbage. Um, unfortunately, another thing that I kind of alluded to earlier is the game's controls. And at the 11th hour, Mark Steven Pierce was added to the ve- the development team to help get the game out the door. This was, of course, another rush job by Atari. Pierce had all the fighting game credibility under his belt, uh, but he just could not help save the game from itself, as it was pretty much done as soon as he jumped onto the team. And all he basically was there to do was just help some help fix some minor programming and just kind of be done with it. With the success of the game, it actually spawned its own toy line. I, I vaguely remember these commercials. I, I never got any of the toys. If I recall, they sold like two different versions. They came in uh, like seven inch sizes and then like 18 inch or something like that. Like there's a, a small toy line and like a huge toy line. I, I don't really get I I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Why would I want a small monkey when I can have a big monkey? If you're not asking yourself that question, like, what are you even doing? Get ready to erupt into a primal rage. But be warned, these guys don't just kick butt. They slam it, crush it, and trash it. And now they're even bigger. Four tasty follower figures take a bite out of their killer appetite. Now even more rage is in your hands with Primal Rage and Super Rage action figures from Playmates. There's also a TV show, which I have no recollection of because I, I feel like Beast Wars probably blew that shit out of the water. Um, yeah, and there's just so much other stuff that was put out in the name of capitalism surrounding this game. There's no specific release date for Primal Rage. All I've got for you guys is August of 1994. Good month. Since then, it has been ported to the 3DO, the Sega 32X, Sega Saturn, Amiga, Jaguar CD, the Game Boy, the Game Boy. Hmm. (laughs) Well, that's, that's quite the console to port this game to. Wow. Uh... I'm going to have to look up footage of that later. Game Gear, MS-DOS, PlayStation, and the Super Nintendo. Game Gear's a crazy one, too. Oh, they really had guts to port this thing to portable, contemporary portable consoles. Um, Atari did greenlight a sequel for this, Primal Rage 2, but since development would basically cost more money than the first game, and at this point in time, arcades were just becoming ghost towns. The company essentially just got cold feet and pulled the plug on the project at the last minute. So last minute that there were two surviving arcade boards of the nearly finished game. 15 to like 20 years down the line, people from the ROM hacking and arcade building community basically rebuilt the game. And one of my favorite places in the world, Galloping Ghost Arcade in uh, Chicago, near Chicago, has one of the only working Primal Rage 2 cabinets out there. Of course, I got some review scores, uh, but I don't think they're strictly for the Genesis port of the game. 
So this is probably just going to kind of be all over the place. So I guess kind of take these with a grain of salt. GamePro has it a 15 out of 20. 7 out of 10 on GameFAQs. 4 out of 10 on IGN. And B. Clark on Google gave it a 3 out of 5 stars, adding, quote, It's just okay as a fighting game. I do think the graphics are unique and appealing. Overall, I would give it a 5 or maybe a 6 out of 10, end quote. A 5 or 6 out of 10, 3 out of 5 star game. <laughs> well said, B. Clark. Seriously, Atari was so piss poor broke at this point that they couldn't afford the licensing to use Earth as a setting. Earth. Instead, uh, we get Earth, and that's spelled U R T H. Either that, it was just a very embarrassing spelling mistake. I what Earth? <laughs> so this this game doesn't give us any story at all not even during the attract mode there's no text or character profiles or anything all it does is just show some fights and you know usually i go to the manual i'm not going to read what the manual says because it's an incredibly long story but i will read the first sentence of this story because it's it's uh well i'll read it quote eons ago before humans walked the planet there was rage. End quote. And let me tell you, buddy, there's still rage. Trust me. Also, there's fucking humans in this very video game, so what are you even trying to pull here? <laughs> so, the long and short of the story is that the fighters in this game are gods. And they're the embodiment of good, evil, life, death, hunger, survival, insanity, and decay. And then there's something about a wizard that locks up one of the fighters on the moon. Then the fighter crashes back down to Earth millions of years later to reclaim Earth. <laughs> to reclaim Earth. <laughs> uh, to tell you the truth, hey, the story does, doesn't matter. They would have put something, anything in the game at all. Uh, there's not even a text crawl at the end of the game. You, you don't get a, a congratulations or anything. You just... Go continent to continent, fighting your next opponent, and that's it. But let's talk about what fighting in this game feels like. This is my first fighting game. Strap up. This gameplay is a mess. <laughs> Full disclosure, I, I enjoy fighting games, but I don't go and seek them out. It's not a genre I follow closely, and I'm also incredibly bad at them. So for context, my favorite franchises are, are like Mortal Kombat, Guilty Gear, Tekken. Uh, recently, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, which I guess I suppose isn't technically a franchise. It's a standalone game. 
Virtual Fighter is okay. That's about it. I, I haven't touched a Street Fighter game since 4. And before that, it had to have been one of the hundreds of versions of Street Fighter 2. Um, yeah, I suck at Street Fighter. I'm dog shit at it. So I don't even bother with those games. So Primal Rage, as I mentioned up top, takes the gameplay of Street Fighter and overall has more or less the same presentation. You know, you've got your health bars at the top of the screen with the timer smack dab between them. Connected to these health bars is a beating heart, which is a nice touch because when either you or your opponent is close to dying, the heart starts to palpitate much faster. And when they are KO'd, the heart explodes. Uh, it's a little on the nose. It's got some uh, edgelord vibes there, but it's kind of a nice touch nonetheless. And then under the health bars are your brain stem bars, which act as more of like a stamina meter. Uh, if you're if you're going to just give it a a general term there, this depletes throughout the fight. If you or your opponent is just taking a ton of damage through combos. This drains faster than your health, and once it hits zero, you are essentially stunned for a limited time unless you snap out of it by jamming the D-pad back and forth. There's some difficulty options here. The first time I played, I set it on easy and just pretty much mowed everybody down. I believe seven is the default here, and that difficulty starts to get a little more out of hand the further you get in. I found myself getting stunned actually quite a bit in the gameplay there, um, you know, leaving me open to a ton of free shots. Uh, but I got through it and then I decided to bump the difficulty up a little bit more. I set it to like 12 or 13. 16 is the highest. Uh, but at, you know, not even touching that, I was getting knocked around quite a bit and, and couldn't finish the game. The options you know, themselves are actually incredibly fleshed out, surprisingly. Like, this is... I think this is probably the most surprising thing about the game for me, honestly. You know, for a fighting game that was released in 1994, I didn't expect it to have so many ex uh, accessibility options. Stuff like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat are very bare when it comes to their options. But with this, you can, like, set, uh, set handicaps. Uh, you can set your number of continues, number of rounds... There's damage modifiers and like and a couple other things. I did mess around with the damage modifiers to see if I could make it further into like the 13 difficulty or whatever. Honestly, it didn't help that much uh, because of these controls. I, I just could not pull off special moves regularly or nor was I even like coming close to pulling off any combos. And I know I keep punching down on these controls. No pun intended. Punching. Yeah. And I know you're probably being like, well, Keith, you said multiple times you suck at fighting games, but also, also, in an attempt to separate itself from the competition, Primal Rage took the commonly accepted controls of most fighting games and decided to program them backwards. This is one of the things Mark Pierce regretted in the development of the game, because even he knew that the controls were not intuitive. And so even with the foreknowledge of this coming into this game and with a guide on hand, 
I still could not pull off the moves on a regular basis. So with most fighting games, the standard controls are you move the joystick in a certain direction and then tap a corresponding button to use your specials. So, for example, something we all know that everybody knows is reuse Hadouken, which is moving the joystick quarter circle forward and then pressing punch. But if we're following Primal Rage rules, then you hold punch, and while holding punch, then you use the joystick and move it quarter circle forward. Doesn't sound like it would be that bad, but it really does make a difference. In any fighting game, you're always moving around, and so being able to trigger that joystick movement in the middle of combat and quickly tapping the corresponding button, I, I think, is paramount. It's such a subtle implementation that makes all the difference. It feels natural in the way combat flows, and it's why, to this day, every single fighting game uses some form of these mechanics. But doing it the way Atari set up here just doesn't feel the same. It just felt like I was stopping dead because I had to hold the button first. It really makes a difference. I wasn't stopped for longer than maybe a second, maybe shorter. But any seasoned fighting game player will tell you it's all about frames, and even stopping for a second can mean winning or losing a match. There's really no other way I can explain it unless you just try it out for yourself. It just, it doesn't feel right. This game has fatalities. Again, we're knocking off Mortal Kombat, and even with a guide and knowing what buttons to press, I couldn't pull them off. I have no idea what they are or what they look like. I can't tell you what they are. The only one I'm really familiar with is the one where the monkey takes his dick out and pees on the loser. And the only reason why I'm, I'm familiar with that one is because when I was doing research, I read that the Genesis port got removed from Best Buy store shelves because a parent of this uh, 11-year-old uh, who bought the game from Best Buy saw him performing the fatality. Is that a fatality? I feel like that's just like, I mean, everybody's everybody's uh, teabagging in Halo and shit nowadays. Like, that's just... Maybe this is maybe this is the origin of teabagging. Maybe this is deeper than what I gave it credit for. Anyway, this woman filed a lawsuit against Best Buy, and of course, Best Buy pulled it from store shelves, even though the game had a T rating and her child was eleven years old. Eleven. I say her. I, I don't know if it was a woman. I don't know if it was a mother or a father. It was a parent. I'm just being um. What do you call it? Sexist. But, but that's that's pretty much it. Um, you know, you fight the uh, you fight the characters in like a random order. And uh, one last thing is is that because that the game was rushed and put out before it really finished, there's no boss. There's no boss in this game. Most fighting games have like a big bad that you fight at the end of the at the end of the the tower. And instead, this game just makes you fight a gauntlet of all the people you just fought. And then that's it. The game just, it ends. It just ends. It's, uh, 
It's disappointing. It's very disappointing. Incredibly anticlimactic. Especially when you consider that there's not... There's not even a sentence of story in this game. Kevin, do you copy? Who the hell are you? Snake, are you serious right now? In the middle of a mission? I don't know. Does the name Deep Throat mean anything to you? It's Keith. We're supposed to be using aliases during this mission. I see. Why didn't you tell us about this sooner? But what I want to know is, what was the real purpose of this military exercise? The President of the United States is about to give his State of the Union address in just a plain suit. Your mission is to deliver the tote full of main quest gear to his person. In secret. Do not let anyone see you perform this operation, Snake. Do you know what kind of ramifications that could have if the Cannibal Rabbit Foundation caught wind of this? Yeah, if word of this got out, it could delay the signing of the Star 3 Treaty and cause a huge international incident. Good. So you do remember the briefing. I know what I'm doing. Does the White House know about this? How deep does it go? Some say the Freemasons have jurisdiction, but when you consider how closely the Clintons and Kissingers have influenced geopolitical affairs, we're led to believe this involves more than just the Freemasons or Illuminati. This could be Bilderberg. We're relying on you, Snake. Have you infiltrated the White House? Got it. Yeah, I'm in front of the disposal facility. Perfect. The tote should be tucked right behind the toilet in the far northernmost stall. You're wrong. It's not here. What? That's impossible. Are you completely sure? I'm afraid so. Try checking inside the tank. Don't you need a password? Uh, uh, no. Just lift the tank. I didn't know that. It's not here. I didn't think it would come to this. But we need to switch to Directive Epsilon immediately. Not so fast. Where are the remote-controlled missiles? Snake, this is a stealth mission. What you'll have to do is use the star system to log on to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main quest pod. What? Redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main quest pod. It's the only available way to get your hands on the number one retro gaming podcast merch out there. From t-shirts, hoodies, blankets, and stickers. I've got one of them. Everything is print on demand, which means everything is designed just for you and around your mission parameters. The shipping is fast, and it will be Fulton to you in no time at all. I'm glad to hear that, but I think I'm starting to develop kleptomania. Uh, please, Snake, maintain your virtuous demeanor. I can't do this quest without yours and the listener's support. I didn't know that. I'm going to ask you one more time. Where can I find ammo for the PSG-1? Snake, I'll tell you one more time. You can visit redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main quest pod. But I can't promise what you need isn't there. Just high-quality merch for your mission. I don't need lectures. So anyway, thanks. Call me if you find out anything. Affirmative. Be careful, Snake.
So when it comes to these graphics, when it comes to the Sega Genesis in particular, I'm beginning to think my new scale for Genesis graphics is uh, muddy to Sonic. And so with that, this game is muddy. Yeah, muddy. A lot of mud on Earth. Uh, welcome to Earth. Welcome to Earth. Why did I? Why didn't I make that joke earlier? Welcome to Earth. This looks bad in comparison to the arcade game. Like it looks real bad. Even the Super Nintendo port looks a little bit better. It's certainly brighter, and the sharpness looks like it's really turned up, which I'm not a fan of. Uh, it hurt my eyes a little bit. Uh, I pr kind of prefer the blurriness of the Genesis than the sharpness of the SNES port. Um, it's just a little too much for me, a little too much. But the overall presentation of the Genesis port is just not good. It's not good. Yeah, I have to give them some credit for even doing the work to get this game to run on a home console. Yeah, I, I don't want to undercut all of the work that this team went through to even make this game happen wasn't easy it's it's kind of similar to what mdhr did with cuphead you really have to love what you do to animate your characters from hand and then in turn digitize all that video and compress it to a point in which it still looks comparable to the arcade cabinet right which i mean to that point the animations do look really good they're not choppy, and it seems very natural and fluid. Uh, the animations are impressive, but the fighters look like shit. And the stages look like shit. The only one that really stands out, the only environment that stands out, is the snow level. And that's because it's bright. It's bright. You're in this, like very snowy field with like a giant mountain in the background and, and you're fighting in broad day it's in broad daylight the sun is out but even then the stage is still kind of bland the graphics are a technical marvel sure but the port itself is just it's not good and then you've got the you got the soundtrack here and so much of this reminds me of X-Men. It has the same horrible synthesized guitar sound, but at least the composer knew how to utilize that, whatever that sound is here. If you remember in X-Men, it just, it, it sounds like they just blasted one single note through your TV until your fucking speakers melted. But there's a lot of that. There, there's a lot of that. There's also a lot of percussions. Overall, it's kind of a quiet soundtrack. It doesn't draw a lot of attention to itself, but also doesn't have the kind of like energy or like adrenaline pumping stuff that you might want to hear in a fighting game. Something, you know, something catchy. Overall, I think it's, I think it's okay. It's not for me personally, because at this point, you know, I've said how many times I do not like the Genesis sound chip. It takes a lot to impress me when it comes to making music on that fucking thing. And this soundtrack just kind of sounds like 90% of the games that I've played so far for the Genesis. Is this Altered Beast? Is this uh, Golden Axe? Is this X-Men? The soundtrack could be any of those. Also, 
I just want to, before we, we wrap this up, I want to give a quick shout out to the stage that has the uh, theme song that literally just stole the riff from Smoke on the Water. I don't know how they got away with that. So let me, uh, I'm going to gather my thoughts here. And when we return, I'll let you guys know if I could recommend playing Primal Rage. quest that focused on NES games, you'll know there there are so many arcade ports that I've just completely trashed, rightfully so in, in many cases, and at this point we're talking about consoles that should be able to handle these conversions with ease. In the case of Primal Rage and the this Sega, this Sega Genesis port specifically, I just don't think it's worth going back to for a lot of reasons. Uh, first of all, the art direction, as commendable and groundbreaking the stop-motion style was for its day and how well it looked in arcades, just doesn't translate well on a Genesis. You can't see anything. The animations are great, but who cares when it looks like two turds are punching and kicking each other in the guts? The controls, which even the devs regret, aren't intuitive. Perhaps if you pick this up without listening to this episode and you're like a fighting game connoisseur, you would just intuitively go straight to playing this in the style of every other fighting game ever and wonder, why the hell can't I pull anything off? And even when you figure it out, that still feels clumsy. The music, take it or leave it. I know people are nostalgic for the FM chip sound. I honestly can't tell you why people are like that. I don't know why people choose to be the way they are. In my opinion, this is a someone understanding the assignment, but still copying someone else's work. So, I mean, that's all I have to say. Uh, I, I just, I just, I would not recommend Primal Rage for Sega Genesis. It's, it's all around very rough. And like I've said on those previous episodes where I, where I cover arcade ports, maybe try and play this on MAME or something. It really does look great. You'll still have to deal with the controls, you'll have to come to grips with that, but you'll probably have a better time overall, I would think. Honestly, Atari, like, they had it. it, it they just, uh, it just feels like they bit off more than they could chew with this port. Uh, but that's it. That's it. Uh, now, if you will excuse me, uh, I actually have to, I got a, a flight to catch, uh, to Cape Canaveral. Uh, the podcast is going to go interstellar next week because I'm heading on a rescue mission to a far, far away planet to bring Ryan from Listoff back home again. Uh, unfortunately, there, there's no life ratings from Brian. I, I don't know what happened. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out next week what happened to him. And uh, I think on our way back home, we're probably going to be uh, discussing 
golden axe. So until then, take care of yourselves, and always remember, it's okay to like a video game. Welcome back to the Main Quest Podcast. Favorite Friday. Good for a better game.